Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Electricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you. Well, it's a great pleasure to welcome to the Yates on Sunday studio my profile guest today, a lady who may well be uh, the first Sinn Féin minister uh, in a future government, Antonishta, uh, the likely leader of Sinn Féin, but for now, the Dublin Central TD uh, for that party and their deputy leader, Mary Lou MacDonald. You're most welcome Thank you, uh, to, to, to News Talk. I wanted to, to, to start by asking you, uh, I have a fairly good understanding about how most political parties across the spectrum in the South work. But the big difference with Sinn Féin is that you're an all-island party. You have 27 MLAs, you have 7 MPs. That doesn't exist with any other party in the South. What I want you to just explain to me is, who makes decisions in Sinn Féin? Who is the Ard Corlea? Is it 50% North and South? Who are they? The Ard Corlea, Ivan, are elected every year at Aurora Dash. So they represent, firstly, the officer board positions within the party. So the party president, the leader, is returned every year. Uh, the last Sukhthron, the deputy leader, myself, that position is filled uh, every year, the party chair, and so on. And then a How panel of... How many people of, are on the Ard There are just over 40 on the on the Ard Corla, and they're drawn from those elected from the floor of the Ardesh. And then our regional structures, which are called Kuigi, they're like regional structures, uh, return also three uh, representatives to the to the Ord Corley. So each. would it be a majority from the six counties or from the 26? It's mixed and it ebbs and flows. Currently, there would be probably more Southerners than Northerners on the Ord Corley, but we don't view it like that. We're an All-Ireland party. Uh, obviously, territorially and in terms of uh, population, the Southern jurisdiction is bigger than the North, so the numbers are big. We have a bigger membership now, for instance, uh, in the South. The one thing that we do have is uh, a very keen awareness of having representation of women in the Ord Corla. So for our elected positions, we, we look to get gender par- parity and balance. OK, so when we come to all the contemporary decisions in the party, the de- decision-making process of the leadership. So let's, let's take the election of Michelle O'Neill as leader. The, the, the anecdote is that Jerry and Martin went to her and said, how would you like to be the leader in the, in the North or take Martin's position? And she said, grand. Like, it, like, you know, there didn't seem to be a vote of the MLAs or of the hardcore. How was she elected? Well, Michelle's position and the position of any uh, minister selected to go forward to the uh, executive is in the final analysis, the prerogative of the party leader. And we're not unusual in that. So, for instance, the newly appointed Taoiseach, as leader of Fine Gael and Taoiseach, appoints his ministerial group. I presume he consults with whomsoever he consults with. So the straight answer and the short answer is that it is the prerogative of the party president to make such an appointment, as he did consistently with Martin McGuinness. And it is also the custom and practice that he uh, brings those propositions to the Ord Corla for debate, for discussion 
and for Democrats. So what's input. Michelle's title? Is she deputy leader in Northern Ireland or what? No, she's she is de facto our leader in the North. We operate in two jurisdictions. She will be, uh, I hope very soon, a joint first minister in the Northern administration. And she is our political leader. Okay. She is the foremost, the, the most senior person and in the Northern jurisdiction. And you as deputy leader was the same, was it? Like you no, were appointed I'm, by the president or were you elected? No, no, no. I'm, I, as I explained to you earlier, yeah. I'm elected from the Ordesh. So okay. I'm elected by the by delegates and by the membership okay. of the party. Okay, so that explains that. Yeah. So therefore, when you come to specific issues, mm-hmm. just say someone said, look, I've just been elected an MP in Westminster and I'd love to make a name for myself there and pursue it as a career and pursue it as political activity. How would they go about reconsidering that? Like, it just seemed like... Jerry Adams says no, and that's the end of it. No, so, what, so what I'm trying to... Well, how does that work? If well, we want to change you, our position... Because listen, you Ivan. took up an MEP position yes. in the Dáil in 1986. Yeah. You, you actually took up your seats in the Dáil. So it wasn't ever thus. So just tell me the process for something like that. Well, just to make clear, I wasn't in the Dáil in 1986, <laughs> just to say <laughs> that. But that. I take your point. We ended that uh, policy. But you see, you follow politics carefully, so I find it very hard to believe that you wouldn't have been aware Um, of our position as regards Westminster. And abstentionism is a party position. And we fought the Westminster election as we fought every Westminster election on the basis that the MPs would be active, that they would serve their constituencies, that they would engage with the, the British political system, which we do on an ongoing basis, but they would not be taking an oath of allegiance to the Crown and they would not be assuming well, I didn't actually seats. ask you about the substance of the issue. Which you is, which how, you, how do you change it yes, then? How, would, if, you, how if, would you ever change if it? If somebody were minded to do so, the only place that that could be changed is at a Sinn Féin or a Dash. It would not be. Jerry, uh, as leader, would not have the discretion or the authority constitutionally within the party to unilaterally change that position. Nor would I, nor would anybody else. That would be a matter that would have to go to the floor of the Oradesh and the membership, the grassroots and so on would have to buy into it, which by the way uh, is not in prospect. Okay, and let's take another example. Uh, The bringing down of the Assembly Mm -hmm. over the Ash controversy, Arlene Foster, all of that stuff and having another election. Who would have made that decision? Well, in that instance, the, the primary uh, impetus for that came from the late uh, and much-loved uh, Martin McGuinness. Uh, he had spent, as you know, 10 years, 2017 through. Um, he worked very hard to make the institutions work because we're committed to them. They are politically necessary. They strategically suit us. By the way, we might come back to that uh, point later. Um, But it became very obvious uh, for a long time that the DUP were almost like the, you know, the fellow with the finger in the dam trying to hold back the tides of change, not just on the constitutional issue and the issue of partition, but on critical issues of social change. And that led to widespread frustration, not just within uh, Sinn Féin, but more broadly. And then the RHI scandal hit and people were outraged. It it wasn't simply Sinn Féin. Uh, Politics and the system was seized of this across the board. And there was a strong view that something had to be done. Martin had gone to Arlene Foster in a way that Martin would do quietly, respectfully. He said to her, listen, if I were you, I would stand aside. I would allow a process to be initiated and so on. Uh, She was not minded to do that. Uh, She got stuck in. And then you had spotlight programmes 
that came on and that revealed not only was there a, a, a big question mark around public money, uh, but what really brought things to a head was uh, suggestions coming from the DUP about the DUP around malpractice, perhaps corruption and so on. And Martin McGuinness arrived uh, very, very, with a very heavy heart at the conclusion that uh, the show could simply not go on and be blind to the fact that the politics and potentially the institutions themselves had been corrupted. So he, to answer your question, on that basis, brought forward the proposition. Okay, so what, what I'm really driving at in terms of if you were a voter in Sligo or Cork City and thinking of voting Sinn Féin. Mm-hmm. I've had people sitting where you are, Jack O'Connor, and he would have echoed something Joe Higgins said, you know, Sinn Féin's number one priority is national unity, not socialism. And that, there, that your critics say that really Sinn Féin's overriding thing is a perspective run from Belfast by people who had all the baggage of the past and so on, combined with Gerry Adams and so on, and that it's not like any other political party and that it's actually a kind of a cult. Now, you represent something different in terms of the perception in the South, but in terms of voters in the South, should they not be uh, asking questions and ascertaining, well, what is the structure? Uh, No, uh, people absolutely absolutely need to ask questions and need to establish that's of course that's that stands to reason uh, we're different from the other political parties in that we're nationally organized and yes we are united Irelanders we don't make any secrets yeah, about that yeah we come on to the substance of that yeah um but in terms of of what you're suggesting a fear it is different voters, to any other party that you know are there shadowy figures no, there former aren't. militants who are actually really dictating no. strategy about Listen, all these things ivan ivan we don't know each other hugely well, okay. but we know each other a while. Um, but people who would know me uh, as an individual will, will tell you I'm not one to be manipulated by shadowy figures or anyone else, nor are my colleagues. We debate things openly and democratically. If people want to know where is policy made, it's made at the Orda. Sinn Féin's an open organisation. Can I take this opportunity to encourage people who are so minded to join us? And the astonishing thing well, is... Would they find us the same as any other party? Well, they will find that it's Sinn Féin. I, I actually think that it's it's much more open and actually more democratic than other parties. Other parties concentrate a massive amount of influence and power almost exclusively in their parliamentarians. Look at what happened in the, in the recent leadership election in another political party. The grassroots are given nominally a say, but actually the decision makers were the ones elected to Parliament. We don't operate like that. It's more open, how will, it's more how will egalitarian. The next, how will the next elector, a leader of President of Sinn Féin be elected? At Ordesh. There is no other way to That's elect. the only way you call is, a special Ardesh. There is one single way to elect the leader of Sinn Féin and that is at the parties Ordesh. There's no way around it, there's no short. And it's one no person, one vote. It is a delegate conference. So just explain how that works. So um, the Ordesh meets, um, all of the membership doesn't meet, but all of the membership through common, so that's the local unit, through the regional units. They select send, delegates. They send delegates and it's a delegate. And they are mandated by their respective structures, be it regional okay. or local, to vote. Uh, and at some point, and you can tell me if you if you know when, like the speculation that Jerry won't lead into the next general election here, but like he's leader more than 35 mm-hmm. years now and it won't go on forever. So if there's a contest, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, is, is it likely there'll be a contest, do you know? 
Can I, anyone I stand? I, I don't know anyone. I, I mean, people, you have to be nominated to stand, but anybody who's nominated, their name goes forward and then it's a matter and for the Democratic And is it hard for, for a candidate vote. from the Republic to make it in terms of the headcount? Well... It'd be a new departure. Well, no. um, well, it wouldn't actually because this is this is the this is the process every year. But I take your point because Jerry has been in position and he and started is in, in position West for a long time, yeah. and he's from Belfast. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, not okay. a whole pie we can do about yeah, he's that. Allowed TD, but he's, he happens, yeah, yeah, yeah he happens yeah, to be a Belfast okay. man. Um, but it, it, the process like, would it be is, a culture change? Do you have a problem if you want to be leader to get the the the, the people in Belfast on your side? Ivan, I was in Belfast yesterday. We had a very interesting conference. I'm in and out of Belfast in different parts of the country all of the time. I have no problem dealing with anybody in Belfast. But it would be a bit of a change. Well, of course, anything, as and when, and there's no vacancy at the moment, yeah, as and when, a cha- change is a change. Change by definition is different, of course. That that stands to reason. Okay. Do you think the Northern Ireland executive will be set up by the end of the month? Um, I very much hope so. I think it's absolutely doable, but it is only doable if uh, people actually want a deal. And it's only doable with the full... Uh, assistance of the government not to kind of give us team talks or pep talks or to encourage us from the sidelines but to understand that they too are signatories to the agreements and the outstanding issues. This is actually gloriously simple uh, what needs to happen. There are a set of commitments that we all freely entered into. We signed off on some of them way back when at the time. When you say we, you mean you and the DUP mostly? No, no, no. I mean all of the parties and two sovereign governments. I'm talking about the Bill of Rights, which was signed up to in 1998, Ochtna 2006 at St. Andrews. And we're at a point now where it's actually decision time. So it's not a case of simply signing on for things and let them gather dust on the shelves implementation but is politics the issue. is about negotiation. Your alternative to a deal mm-hmm. is either another election or direct rule. And it would have struck me that, you know, having your people as ministers was a good thing. Our absolute preference is for the institutions to work. We're committed to them. Um, and it's not just simply us looking at... It's not just us looking at, you know, our party interests, as as, as you suggest... It's good for republicanism, nationalism, unionism, loyalism to actually have democratic forums in which we debate, in which we agree, in which we implement policies, in which we respond to the to the changing needs and moods and, and aspirations of the people. All of that is a very necessary thing, Ivan, to build the body politic north of the border, coming out of a situation okay. that has been okay. very, and, very and difficult and And I'm going to take that fraught. at face value, but again, your critics would say, if you look at your recent statements and actions, and even yesterday's conference, that everything seems to be predicated under this theory, that you're actually looking for a border pole, you're actually looking to fast forward a united Ireland, and really everything is predicated towards that, as opposed to making power sharing work. And that this kind of attitude, 50% plus one, we're getting there demographically, and let's run everything down that kind of paradigm. Well, can I just remind... Is that true? Those, no, it's not. The, those critics that might say that, the provision for the border poll, the, the referendum on unity, is contained in the Good Friday Agreement. The, those that criticise us for that signed up for that. That is, we, we have always wanted 
a, a, a poll on unity and to win it and to win it well and to win it in the right atmosphere and to win it... will take with, time, surely. With, well, of course, we're, we're, not, we're not arguing that point. We have every right well, to actually... In a few years. To, we have, that's time. We have every right to set out our store. We, we, don't, we don't make any secrets of that. Do you not think it's... Sir, people but, say but it's I, divisive me, and counterproductive. Hold on, hold on. But, but I just want to take issue with you and these uh, critics and their rather flimsy analysis of where we're at. Look to the issues that are actually being um, argued for in the course of this negotiation. Look, for instance, to marriage equality. It is wrong that gay and lesbian couples in the north of Ireland are not equal in the eyes of the law. Look to the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is a big win for everybody for working class loyalist communities, for people who struggle um, with disadvantage, for citizens with disabilities. These aren't orange and green issues. These are good government issues. These are rights-based issues and we want to afford them to everyone, including, let me just say this, those who fundamentally disagree with us on the constitutional question. But surely... The way to build a united Ireland is to get the executive to move towards normal politics of all the things you've just spoken about in terms of economic and social development and then get to a stage where the people in the South might want to write a cheque for £10 billion a year and the people in the North well, would look at their best economic prospects are on an all-island basis. And surely it's about building reconciliation rather than saying, you know Ivan, what, we're going to have the numbers soon and we're going to ram we, this we down your throat. Said, Ivan... You are saying this to somebody who represents a party who spent over a decade in the executive and in the assembly doing precisely that. And no disrespect to you, Ivan, you come from a political party that doesn't originally, that doesn't even contest elections in the north. So with the greatest of respect to you and to the other regionally based political parties that only fight elections in this jurisdiction, but apparently are experts on every twist and turn uh, that happens up the road. There's nothing to stop them contesting elections. Let me encourage them to do so, and let me reassure you sure, that we are we no no we are plugged into the reality of people's lives. Farmers in Fermanagh, people in living in Ballymurphy or in in Belfast or the Fountain sorry, in Derry. Make, we represent all right, all right. that politics, and okay, we deal well, with let that me, day let in me, day. And you refer to my past. Yes, Garrett, the, the big dividing line between Charlie and Garrett back in the eighties was. That Garrett set out and he said, look, I believe a million Protestants in the South have a right to consent. And really what I'm saying to you is, what I'm hearing from you is, really, their consent is circumscribed. They may have to put up with the United Ireland whether they like it or not. No, it's no more circumscribed than those who are nationalist and republican and who have put up now for generations with partition. Consent, that consent argument has been done. With all due respect, and well, the, a border poll is consent, and of course it is. It's a democratic process in and of itself. We can't impose our will, nor or nor do we wish to. So the issue of of consenting people is at, at the heart of the Good Friday Agreement. What's interesting. And where the consent issue actually came into focus again in respect of Irish politics has been on the issue of Brexit, where actually the people of the North voted to stay. That is their decided wish. And it seems for the British system and sadly for unionism, the consent principle on that matter has been put through the shredder. Believe it or not, even though it's a lengthy interview, we're we're getting tight on time. Uh, I know 
all sorts of nefarious characters have been involved with different people in their campaigns and, and so on, and they've had convictions. But I never heard of anyone involved with waterboarding. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Dowdall, 30 mm-hmm. photographs with him, a councillor for Sinn Féin. You paid tribute to him as a hard worker when he left Sinn Féin. What do you say about that? Well, I, I've, I have said on the public record, and let me reiterate that I am beyond shocked at the actions of Jonathan Dowdall. The courts have heard the case. Uh, they have convicted him. And uh, what can I say beyond that, except to say this, that those of us within the party had no reason to suspect uh, that any of this would transpire. And indeed, people who worked with Jonathan uh, across party lines on Dublin City Council, I I imagine, never suspected this. It is awful, uh, horrific, and the law now has been applied and uh, the law has been has been served. Big issue in Britain, Manchester, mm-hmm. uh, London Bridge, Westminster. What was the difference between the Manchester Arena suicide bomber and the 1993 bomb in Warrington? Well, I, I think the incident, uh, the atrocity in Manchester is probably different from anything else that we've ever seen, actually, in terms of the calculated manner to cause uh hurt and worse to very young children, mainly girls who were in at that Ariana Grande uh, concert. It was absolutely horrific in every parent's nightmare. Needless to say, there were no warnings. It's hard to ascertain, is this a lone wolf activity? If it is political, what's the politics behind it? What's the resolution of that politics? Um, the, the, the point the, I'm making Oh no, is I understand the point IRA you're making. terror terror. Yeah, terror. And, and in the course of the conflict there was terror as it could be defined from all sides and of course uh, campaigns in Britain go back sometimes back as far as the Fenians and O'Donovan Russa and so on. I think the essential difference is that the Irish question uh, and the issue of Britain or England in Ireland was always politically defined and understood and, and that meant and that you could get an access point to sort it out, which thank God we have done, and to create a democratic dispensation and to build the peace. What frightens me about Manchester and those other incidents is it doesn't have that same, to my mind, that same straightforward political framework where where you look for resolution. Um, Simon Coveney is the new Minister for Brexit and for Northern Ireland Affairs. He was in Belfast most of last week. Um, Do you detect any difference between him and Charlie Flanagan? Is he someone that Sinn Féin could work with? He said, I think, on Sean O'Rourke's programme during the week about, uh, you know, forgetting the baggage of the past with Sinn Féin. Uh, Do you welcome his appointment? Well, I welcome... Or do you think he's inexperienced? Uh, He's... He is... uh, I I heard those remarks about forgetting about our baggage, which is great. We'll we'll forget about Fine Gael's baggage too. Let's all forget our baggage and crack on with the job at hand. I'm all for that. He certainly has entered the, the process with considerable gusto. And I think that's a good thing. Um, we met, as you know, with uh, Antishuk and with the minister. We've also met with Theresa May. And I take from Simon Coveney uh, a real appetite to get things done. And I think that's extremely positive. What will that amount to? As of yet, we don't know. But I, I can certainly say that he is engaged, perhaps more engaged than his 
predecessor. But this is all still work in progress. And of course, uh, I wish him well in his task. It's it's in it's in Could all of our interest to get this sorted out. Could you see a common position between Sinn Féin and the Irish government? On, the on, on on both Brexit uh, and in relation well, to the executive? We have, I, I've just outlined for you that the we, GFI. We, we, have a, we have a common position in respect of Brexit and that's for special designated status for the North. Uh, whatever language is used to describe that, I think that's a good thing. Now we need to go out and, and, and fight for it. Michelle O'Neill and I have actually spoken to lots of people. We've been in Strasbourg, we've been in London, we'll be uh, on the road uh, advancing the position. I know the government is very active on it. And on the issue of the Good Friday Agreement and the outstanding issues, we do have agreement on all of these issues. What we need is implementation. In January of this year, in an Irish Times political podcast, you seemed to shift on the Sinn Féin position, which was, as regards government, you made it clear after the next election, yeah, we'll go into government, providing we're the largest party and we will lead a coalition. So that sort of excluded you being a junior partner, you know, like Labour or anyone else. You seem to shift in position that you were open to being tarnished as leader down the road and you have an Ardesh to endorse this or whatever. What is the position about entering coalition well, Ivan, as a junior just government? Just so as we're clear, I was not speculating and setting out my stuff for me to be tarnished. Oh, sorry, you put I didn't it mean there. that. I no, was asked no, about no, government. So what's and, the position? Well, let, me, let me tell you what I said and let me say it again. And the position, really? I was asked about government and I have said, and let me say again, Sinn Féin wants to be in government and we will contest the Even next election. Even as a election. junior party? We will contest the next election to be in government. It's in then the hands of the electorate, the size of the mandate we have, and then it's in the hands of our membership to decide whether or not you have the basis of a programme for government that we could stand over. That's the, that's the simple process. There is a huge reluctance within our base, and it's not just our members, it's beyond that, around Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, for obvious for reasons that I think are very obvious, because so people, no. have see, people have seen no? their performance. But, hear me out, after the next election, just as with the last one, we will talk to everybody, we will talk to people who are democratically elected. And then it is a matter of ascertaining whether or not, yay or nay, there is a basis for any, so any an type of, a, of an Well, as we speak, the current position, as decided by, by our Ardesh, is that uh, Sinn Féin would not enter into coalition with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael to be their mudguard. And I support that position and I understand that view. My difficulty in answering your question as definitively as you wish is that the election hasn't happened, so I don't know what the numbers look like. And well, that I, but, brings but let us, me that say, but let me your say, own murky past in so far yeah. as you have been uh, in 1996 onwards, you have been a member of Fianna Fáil. This is a mar- murky and dark secret. So hands up, Ivan, you've got me. So therefore, Sinn Féin FF is a possibility. <laughs> No. Uh, that, Could you that is ever that, advocating to an Ardesh now, that you would participate in an SFFF government? I will only ever uh, uh, advocate to any Ardesh positions that move the politics of the country and that move our objectives as a radical Republican organisation forward. Do I see the scope within that uh, in Fianna Fáil and Fianna Fáil under Micheál Martin? Uh, I don't, is, is the short uh, answer. And that's mutual. And it's entirely mutual. I've heard his. Uh, I've heard sure. his. Uh, well, this program, he, he was fine. very. Yeah, no, I was listening. Okay, yeah. okay. The last thing I want to do because you've spoken several times, you gave me various put downs about who are these Sinn Fein critics. Take a listen to this one. What Adams wants is a spotlight on the Republic. That's where his main strategic aim is. Sinn Fein's strategic aim is to become an acceptable coalition partner. Why they want to be in government here, and they want to be 
able to make mischief in Northern Ireland and they hope out of some kind of political crisis that a pan-nationalist federation will be formed and ourselves and the Brits, Dublin and London will beat up on the unionists and humiliate them a bit more and get a better deal for nationalists. That's roughly how I see it. Okay. Right. And I think people would travel all of the road with you about the abhorrence of the sectarian murderous campaign, the criminality and all of that. But when you look at violence and paramilitary campaigns and maybe South Africa and so on, is there a point in the future? Because I asked, Bertie was sitting where you were and I asked him, well, if Mary Lou was the leader or if Jerry Adams was gone and, you know, the suggestions he might go in September, is there any point in the future where you might take your foot off their neck? Yes, I would take my foot off their neck tomorrow morning if the members of their party, if any member of their party or the TDs stood up and said that Northern campaign was wrong. We realise it was wrong. We realise it drove Irish unity backwards and it alienated and hurt and frightened our Protestant neighbours. It was bad not just for Northern Ireland, it was bad for Ireland. So... The question, Mary Lou, is, and it's the final question, remorse, regret, that kind of thing, in terms of a lot of people who might share your views on, 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 you know, health or education or housing or whatever, you know, can you make a fresh start by actually saying it was wrong? Well, I I think when it comes to the conflict in the North, everybody, I, I imagine, I think, uh, has to have some level of remorse. I mean, what happened was awful. But what happened was absolutely horrific. What happened on all sides was horrific. And I'm not into this selectivity of, you know, um, remorse for one section that suffered, but not remorse for all, or, or and, and sympathy and a deep sense of compassion. My job as a as a political representative, uh, as a member of the leadership of Sinn Féin, is to actually straighten things out and sort things. It's not enough simply to say, oh, that was terrible, that was wrong, that was awful. Although terrible, wrong and awful things happened. I've, I've no problem saying that. Much more is expected of me than that. Much, much more is expected of me and of our party than that. And that is why, despite what our critics might say, we have been so energetic in throwing ourselves into the new political de- dispensation in the North, including at times when things were done and said and initiatives were taken, particularly, I suppose, by Martin McGuinness, that didn't go down well in our own base, that were not necessarily well received. But interestingly, it was only really, I suppose, when Martin became sick and then when unfortunately he died, that I think a much broader sense was understood of what he was doing. We want to make peace with our neighbours. We all live on a small island. We've big challenges ahead, but we've big opportunities and we want to make all that happen. My final point is this. I have no apology to render to independent news and media or to Owen Harris. Um, so he, he admits to having his foot on my neck. He, that man has no reason to have his foot on my neck. Whether he removes it or not is an entirely matter uh, for himself. But I do note the the outrageously selective and um, unbalanced way in which these matters are dealt with. And that's their editorial view and that's their right. But but let me just say, it doesn't tally with reality on the ground. And I'm concerned with changing the circumstances in which people live and building a new Ireland, a new, agreed, 
Ireland that is where we all breathe the free air. And I, I want to say this one, this is my very final thing because I know you want me to, to, to wind this up. As regards our Protestant uh, neighbours and friends, I, I was in Belfast a lot in the course of recent elections. Let me just give a shout out to the Presbyterians, to the Methodists, Methodists, to the Quakers, to the social activists, specifically within Protestantism and within loyalist communities. They are doing magnificent work and I applaud them for, for it and I support them in it. And I believe that far from being on at odds with each other, we're actually in really fundamental, important ways on the same page. Mary Lou MacDonald, thank you for being my profile guest today. Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Airtricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you.